Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I am bringing you today's word for March 16th, 2022. I'm teaching a series this year that I'm going to be teaching all year entitled Intentional Progress. I believe that God already made plans for you for 2022. God is, is a master planner, and so he mapped out your life before the world began. He made plans for you for 2022. Your job is to discover what those things are and then to deploy into it so that you can become the man, the woman that God has called you to be, not just at the overall expected end for your life, but at, at the increments along the way. So that at the end of 2022, you would be incrementally closer to God's overall expected end for your life. You're not going to do it though, unless you are convinced that God loves you. So I'm about to give you a message about the love of God. And I want you to open up your heart to get ready to receive. So let's get into the word for this morning. I'm teaching life lessons from the life of Jesus. This is part 46. We've been walking through the life of Jesus. We looked at John 5, 6, 8, 12, uh, 14 through 18, and now we're in chapter 19. I didn't really think I was going to get this far, but the Lord told me to do it. Obviously, we're just a few weeks away from Resurrection Sunday morning. And we're in John chapter 19. Yesterday, I read for you John 19, verses 23 to 27. And I told you that I had three things to share with you, but I could only share two yesterday, right? I got two things out yesterday. And the third one where I was going to talk about the love of God, I had to push it to today. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, really today, I'm talking about the fact that you got to get to the point where you are convinced that God loves you. So let me read this passage. Not, not that you love God, but that God loves you. I'm going to explain. Let me read this passage and then we're going to pull the string on it. You ready? All right. So here we go. John 19 verses 23 to 27, the Passion Translation, the Bible says, now when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they divided up his clothes into four shares. There were four soldiers, one for each of them. But the problem was that Jesus's tunic didn't have any seams in it. It was a seamless tunic. So it was woven from top to bottom. So the soldiers said to each other, well, don't tear it. Let's just shoot dice for it. And so they shot dice for it. And it was fulfilled. Jesus looked down and said, you know, there it is. It's being fulfilled. That was prophesied that they would div divide my garments among them and they would gamble for my clothing. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was standing by the cross. And this is what we dealt with yesterday. Along with Mary's sister uh, was Mary, the, the wife of Clophis, and Mary Magdalene. So there were four of them. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple that he loved standing with her. Now, this is John writing. And John says this. When Jesus looked down and saw his mother standing next to, next to the disciple that he loved, John is not naming this disciple, but he calls him the disciple that he loved. So this is like basically he was saying, hey, the disciple that Jesus loved was standing next to, next to his mom, right? And so then he goes on to explain who that disciple is. He said, Jesus looked down and said, mother, look, John will be a son to you. So he was talking about himself. So he was writing about himself in third person, and he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And then he goes on to say, then he said, John, look, she will be a mother to you. And so from that day on, John accepted Mary as his own mother and brought, him into, brought her into his own family. So um, what does this mean for you today about the love of God? 
John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. So I have three things to share with you about this. And as I do, I've, I've actually taught on this before, but this is, this is worth repeating. This is one of those, like, you got to get this message. What I'm about to teach about today, yeah, it's in the life of Jesus. It's not really about Jesus. It's about Jesus and John. It's more about John than Jesus, but it's within the context of the life, life of Jesus. So I'm going to deal with it. There's three things I'm going to share with you this morning. This is where I need you to rid your heart and mind of all distractions. Number one, here we go. Your life will change forever the day you get convinced that God loves you. The day you get fully persuaded that God loves you, your life will change forever. The Bible says, John said, so when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple that he loved standing with her, he's talking about himself. He, he was like, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. And so he, he actually called himself the disciple that Jesus loved multiple times. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because remember, the Bible says all scripture, is given by inspiration of God. And so all scripture was breathed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author, not the people that wrote it. So the, the, the Bible was written over a span of about 1,500 years by about 40 plus authors. Uh, and you, so you have 66 books by about 40 authors over the span of 1,500 years. But at the end of the day, those people were not really the authors. The author is the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit led John to say what he said. The Holy Spirit was okay with John calling himself the disciple Jesus loved. Just so everybody know, I want you to know that I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, which is why I've told you guys many times, say I'm God's favorite. You got to get to the point where you, you see yourself as the one that God loves. I am the one that God loves. I, I know God loves you too, but I'm just saying uh, God loves me. God loves me with an everlasting love. And if you get, ever get to the point where you get convinced, not that you like, oh, I love God. No, no, God loves me. If I ever get to the point where I'm convinced that God loves me, that's it. I mean, you're, you're going to live your life on a whole nother level. Let me explain. So this is not the only point, the only uh, time in scripture where, where John said this. So let me give you some other scriptures that John wrote. John 13 and verse 23. John is writing. He says, now one of them, one of the disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. He was like, the, the, while this was going on, the disciple that Jesus loved was laying on Jesus. Guess what? That was me. And John 20 and verse two, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the disciple that Jesus loved. And then he said, hey, they've taken the Lord. So he, once again, he's like, hey, I'm writing this. And here he comes. This lady came running and she came to Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. By the way, that's me. That's me, y'all. John 2 and 17. The Bible says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Who is that? He's talking about himself. Once again, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. In John 21 and 20, the Bible says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved and was following him. And so he's like, man, so John, of course, is writing about himself. And so he takes the liberty of every time he's talking about himself. He's like, by the way, this is the disciple that Jesus loved. So John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved in the gospel according to St. John early in his writings. Now, later on, he wrote three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, when he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he was on the island of Patmos. Uh, and he, when he wrote this, scholars believe that he was about 90 years old. And so, so now you have early John writing, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Now you have Grandpa John writing at the end of his life. He outlived all the other disciples, by the way. And so now... He is 90 years old. He's Grandpa John. And Grandpa John 
wrote some of the greatest teachings that's in the Bible about the love of God. It was Grandpa John that told us that, that love is not something God is, that God has, or something God does. Love is who God is. And not only that, it was Grandpa John that kept calling himself and us the beloved. The beloved. You know what the word beloved means? It means being loved. It means actively being loved. I am, say I am God's beloved. See, I'm God's beloved. I am actively being loved by God. God loves me. Not God doesn't just love me in general, but God loves me actively. God is actively loving me on a daily basis. I am being loved by God. John wanted everybody to know that he was the disciple that Jesus loved, and he wanted everyone to know that we are God's beloved. It was Grandpa John that explained to us that we couldn't, in First John, you know, uh, first and second, third John, that it was Grandpa John that explained to us after meditating on the love of God for decades, that we could not even love God if he didn't first love us. So even loving God is an act of God's grace. Even us being able to love God, it, it, it teaches us of the grace of God. Say, I am God's favorite. See, I, when you get to the point where you know, I am the one God loves, it's, not, it's way different when you say, oh, I love God. Because see, the, when the I love God part, even when we say, you know, hey, we're closing out the service, raise your hands. Lord, say, say this, say, uh, uh, Lord, I love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. I love my neighbor as myself. But you know what? Do we really love God like that all the time? With all my heart, all my mind? All... Listen, our love towards God will waver. Our love towards God falters because we are human and we are flawed. But God's love towards us does not waver. It does not falter. God's love towards us is consistent. God's love towards us is eternal. God's love towards us is unconditional. God loves us with an unwavering love, an unconditional love. And so we couldn't even love God if he didn't first love us. Number two, when you fully embrace the love of God, it changes the way you see God. It changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way you see others. It changes the way you see life. It changes everything. See, knowing God is love, that's one thing. But embracing the love of God, that's something else. Many people have no problem with seeing or saying or believing that God is a good God. If I say God is good, y'all say it all the time. And I say all the time, y'all say God is good. God is a good God. Yes, he is, right? So people don't have a problem with, with saying that God is a good God. A lot of times, Christians, believers, have a problem with understanding, believing that God will be good towards them. Not that God is a good God. They know God is good. They just don't see God being good towards them. They are more focused on, watch this, they are more focused on their mistakes than God's goodness. They are more focused on their mistakes than God's goodness. The gospel of grace, this is why I live the grace life. The gospel of grace is the gospel that, a message that I keep driving home to you the fact that God loves you, that he loves you despite your faults and your flaws and your failures. He loves you despite the mistakes that you made in the past. He loves you despite the flaws that you right now have right now in the present. The, it doesn't matter that you're jacked up. God loves you anyway. God loves you with an unconditional love. Now, he, he loves you too much to leave you that way. Of course, he's going to work on you to change, to grow, to develop, but God loves you with an unconditional love. The apostle John never claimed to be perfect. He even warned us against people who claim to be perfect. The apostle John was the one that said, hey, listen, if you're talking to people and, and if someone claims, it was grandpa John, 90 years old, he had been, he's seen enough already. He said, let, let me tell y'all something. 
If someone claims to be without sin, <laughs> he's a liar and the truth is not in him. And so, so John never claimed to be perfect. He was like, listen, nobody's perfect, but God is perfect and his perfect love is perfect towards us. It was, it was John that, that was like, you know what? We have to believe and receive the love. And because he unashamedly believed and received the love of God, he could write, hey, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Your life will be changed forever like it was for John on the day that you fully embrace the love of God. See, you would never believe God to be used supernaturally until you know that God loves you unconditionally. Let me say that again. You would never believe God to be used of him supernaturally until you know that God loves you unconditionally. Because if you focus on you, on performance-based religion, I thank God that God delivered me from performance-based religion, but if you're focused on you, your performance, you know, you doing everything right so that God can use you in a supernatural way, then there's too much emphasis on you. And invariably, you are going to do something wrong. You will, you will falter, you will fail, and then you won't see yourself being used of God supernaturally. So if you want to be used of God supernaturally, you got to focus on the fact that God loves you unconditionally. You will never see yourself being used of God to perform great exploits until you know that God loves you because God loves you and God wants to use you because God wants to use you because God is good and not because you're good. Until you know that it's about God and not about you. Until you put the, the emphasis and the spotlight on God and not on you and not on your performance, but on God's goodness and his grace, you will never fully embrace everything that God wants to do in your life. You cannot, let me say it another way, you cannot become the man or the woman that God has called you to be focused on you. You cannot become the man or the woman that God has called you to be focused on your performance or your love towards God or your lack of love towards God. You got to get to the point where you are fully persuaded that God loves you. You are fully persuaded that God loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love and that he wants to use you because he wants to use you because he is good, not because you're good. Amazing things will happen when you look in the mirror and say, I'm the one God loves. If you can get, get to the point where you look in the mirror and say, I am God's beloved. God is actively loving me. God loves me every day. I'm God's favorite. I'm God's son. I'm the apple of God's eye. I don't know about you, but God loves me. And, and when you get to the point where you're like, yes, I embrace the fact that I am actively being loved. And I'm not saying you continue in sin. Come on. The apostle Paul was writing about this. He was like, well, you know, the grace of God will always supersede sin. It was like, you know, there is no, there will never come a day where sin outweighs God's grace. He says, where, where sin does abound, grace does abound even more. So if you sin, God, you do more sin, God gives you more grace. You do more sin, God gives you more grace. You do more sin, God gives you more grace. But don't think, Paul says, well, shall I continue in sin so that God can continue to give me more grace? Paul said, God forbid. If you really believe that God loves you with an unconditional love and you really get to the point where like I am God's beloved, I'm God's favorite, you don't want to sin because you don't want to disrespect or devalue. You don't want to dishonor. You don't want to disappoint your daddy. And so you love, you're not doing it to try to get God to love you. You know God loves you. And because you know God loves you, you're like, man, I got to do better. I, I, I am God's favorite. I'm God's beloved and I need to do better. You know why I need to do better? Because God loves me and God loves me so much that I shouldn't be doing this. God loves me so much that I shouldn't be living this way. God loves me so much that I need, I need to walk in the holiness wherewith I am called. Come on now. And so the message of grace is not a license to sin. It means you're free from sin. You're free from the power of sin, which leads me to number three. Let's talk about it. Number three, your faith won't even work until you know that God loves you. Listen, you, don't, you can't even live by faith. 
until you know that God loves you. Galatians 5 and 6 teaches us that faith works by love. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and 6, King James, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything. The only thing that matters now is faith and faith works by love. He was saying in the uh, in, in Galatians, don't even talk about circumcision or uncircumcision or acts of the flesh or things. That, listen, it's not about that. It's not about you trying to do anything. It's not about your human performance. It's not about complying with the law. It's not about what you do. The only thing that matters now is faith and faith works by love. Faith only works when you are convinced that God loves you. Your faith will only work when you are fully persuaded that God wants to use you for his glory. God wants to use you because God wants to use you because God is good. Not because of you, not because of your performance, not because you're so good, because you're not so good. Now, let me say this. If you are living like I was raised under performance-based religion, if you're living under a context or a pretext or an understanding that I need to do all these things right so that I can qualify, so that God can use me, then invariably your performance is not going to measure up. You are going to make mistakes. And so he, let me say it this way. You can't be used of God to the fullness if you're focused on you, because invariably your performance will not be good enough to measure up to the magnitude of the assignment wherewith you have been called. So here's the magnitude of the assignment. Here's your performance. Your performance is just not good enough. And so if you're basing God's goodness towards you on your goodness towards God, man, you are going to live way beneath God's best. But if you base God's goodness towards you on God's goodness towards you, <laughs> on the fact that it has nothing to do with you, it is the unmerited favor of God. And God made plans for me from the foundations of the world. And well, although I'm not worthy, God blesses me anyway. Now we're talking. Now God can use you to do some things that you could never do on your own. And then you can live by faith because faith works by love. God calls you to do things that, uh, that are going to exceed your education and experience. God is going to call you to do things that, that exceed your wildest dreams. God is going to call you to fund projects that you don't have the money for. God is going to call you to operate on levels that you feel unqualified for. And so if you are focused on you and your performance, you will never do it because you will never be good enough. But God calls you to do things that you can't do without him. And so it forces you to rely on him and you have to trust him and you have to believe the love. You have to believe the love that God has for you. Faith works by love. Your faith will only be strong when you know, when you're convinced that God loves you and that God wants to do what he wants to do in, with, and through your life only because he loves you, only because he is good and not because you're good. Say amen to that. Now, when God reveals his plans to us, these are plans that exceed our plans. Then we're in, we have a situation. We have a choice. We then have to choose either A, the plans I came up with on my own, or B, the plans God came up with from the foundations of the world. The problem is that, let's say, for example, let me, let me make it plain as I, as I bring this to a close. Let's say that you're a planner and you recently found out, maybe you've been listening to me, you recently found out that God made plans for you from the foundations of the world. But to this point, you love God, but you've been living life on your own plans, on your own terms. You've been like doing your one-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan. You got your your long, your short-term goals and mid-term goals and long-term goals, and you're planning everything out, and you already mapped out your life. By the time I'm 22, I'm going to be there. By the time I'm 28, I'm going to be married with two kids. By the time I'm 31, I'm going to have a house, and I'm going to have this. By the time, and you, you got all this thing mapped out, right? Okay, cool. Go ahead with your bad self. Now, the problem is when God starts to reveal his plans to you, you now have to make a decision. You're like, okay, well, 
do I continue down the path that I kind of came up with? And maybe I asked God to show me what part of this he gave me and what part of this he didn't give me. Or do I fully embrace the plans that he's given me? The problem is you will never fully embrace. You will never give up your will for God's will until you know that he loves you. You will never give up your will for God's will. And this is the life of faith. But you will never just give up, sacrifice everything you've been working on to go do something that God is leading you to do unless you are convinced that God loves you, that he will never hurt you, that he has your his his plans are better than your plans, and that he has your best interest in, in heart, right? Unless you are fully persuaded that, you know what, I'm going to trust God. I don't know what's happening over here. I know he wants me to do this. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I planned, but I got to believe God. You will never operate in faith like that until you know that God loves you, until you know that, you know what, I can trust God because I don't know what's going to happen. He doesn't give me all the answers, but I'm going to do what he's telling me to do. Faith works by love. You know why? Because I know he loves me. And one thing I know about God, he's not going to let me down. And one thing I know about God, if his plans are better than my plans. And so, so I'm, I'm going to go. Jesus went to the cross. He said, not my will, that will be done. You know why he was able to say, you know what, I'm going to go to the cross anyway? Because he knew he was loved. And so that's the, that's the key. Faith works by love. When God is, is revealing things to you that were prepared for you but concealed from you, and, and these are the plans that he made from the foundations of the world, and you want to become the man, the woman that God has called you to be, is a little bit scary. Living by faith means that you're not going to have all the answers. Living by faith means that God is going to tell you to take the first step, and he may not show you what's next until, until months or, or a year later. And so you have to be like, okay, I have to do that. But you will never do that until you know God loves you. Until you know what? You know what? Uh, you tr I trust him. He loves me. I know he's not going to let me down. And so when you get to that point, when you know that God loves you with an everlasting love and fully persuaded of it, then you're like, okay, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to live by faith because faith works by love. My faith is empowered by the fact that I am God's favorite and God loves me. You got it? Man, Whew, glory to God. All right. So let me close this message out with a declaration of faith. I hope you got that. I hope you got that down in your heart. Uh, I want you to speak this over your life. I want you to, to declare this openly. Open up your mouth and speak words of faith from a believing heart. Say, Father, this is a year of intentional progress for me. You made plans for me for 2022 before the world began. So my job now is to discover and deploy into those plans. I declare that I do. I already have the victory. I don't pray for victory. I pray from victory. <laughs> victory is both my starting point and my destination. I know I have the victory that you already provided, not because I'm so good, but because you're so good and I am the one that you love. I am your favorite. I am your beloved. I am being loved by you daily. I am the target of your love. I am the apple of your eye. I am your pride and joy. I am your son or daughter. I am the one that you love. So I enter this day as the one that you love and your love changes me forever. Greater is coming for me. 
because I know that you love me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, you want my notes, go to todaysword.org. You get my notes for free. Todaysword.org. Click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I love you. More importantly, God loves you. You are the one that God loves. This was a very important message. You got to get this down in your heart. Maybe you need to watch it again. Listen, share this message. Do me a favor. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing, and then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Have an amazing day because you know that God loves you. You are God's beloved. You are God's favorite. You are the apple of God's eye. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. Oh,